We are in a series called Upon This Rock. Uh, Jesus' conversation with his disciples, Matthew 16, asked the question, who do men say that I am? And they all come back and they say a lot of different things. And he's like, yep, yep, yep. Cool. Now we're past that. Now we got other people's ideas out. I just want to know what you think. And Peter would come up with the right answer. You know, he aced the test. And he's like, you are from God. You're Christ the Messiah. And we, I believe that. And Jesus is like, you're right. You got 100 on the test. And with that, um, I'm going to build my church on this. Just to let you know, on this statement right here, I'm going to build my church, the revelation of who I am and what I've come to do. And man, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church that is built on this foundation that I am from God and I am Christ the Messiah. And man, uh, Jesus has been building his church from that moment in time. And this church that we live in here today, that we are a part of here today, 2,000 years after that reality, is a church that is built the same way. Jesus is from God. He is divine. And he has done something that we cannot do in and of ourselves. He has laid down his life for the sake of our sin. He is the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. And with that, he is how we get to heaven and how all of humanity gets to heaven. And so we are building his church, making that known inside of our community. So we're built on that. So we've had a lot of different conversations on Jesus building his church. Specifically, last week, just talking about the global church is big and beautiful, and it is amazing. 1.3 billion, I think it is, is people that are following Christ in multiple different denominations, but it's beautiful. It's a big, beautiful church doing incredible things across the globe. Now, our church, though, is expanding. We are a church that has grown, have done incredible things. God is moving. We have a specific mission. I was just talking to a gentleman after last service. He says, I haven't been to church in 20 years over 20 years, I think it was 22 years specifically, said I walked away from the church in 98, um, but he has walked through these doors, he's on a journey of faith, sat right here where Amy's at, and, and listened to the message, felt you know, God moving in this place, felt good, and, and it's really re-engaged him, he's going to stay engaged on the road, he's a truck driver, but that is the mission of our church, we want to uh, lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Unchurched in the sense that it's just like people that are disconnected from the local church, uh, uh, disconnected from God. I mean, in that realm, we want to help people connect and grow in their faith. That is what we're here to do as a community of people. And so on our journey of staying on mission with what God has called us specifically to do, our church has been expanding. If you've been here in the past, you've seen the five services, the madness. It's, it was madness. It's absolute madness. Sometimes it still is madness. You know, the last service, the pastor was preaching too long and people had to wait outside. It was terrible. We had a conversation with them, though. It was cool. We cleaned it up by this service. But, but you know, the reality is we're in a small space and we know the tension that, man, we're going to be faithful to what God has placed in our hands. So we've expanded. We purchased a building, $3.2 million on uh, June 5th, um, and, and that is our reality here today. This is kind of what we're looking forward to as a church. We got some pictures of it. Bam, pictures, there we go. Uh, what we're thinking about, 1102 North Cherry Street. Um, next week, I need to make sure that we can go over, and uh, if anybody wants to see it, if you haven't seen it, we'd love for you to come over and see it if you're part of our church community. But it's a, uh, we're renovating 25,000 square feet of a 63,000 square foot building. It's a big God thing. You'll hear the whole story whenever we move in, because I can't give it all away right now. But um, it's going to be amazing. It's much bigger. The kids' space, and that's the kids' space over there right now that we are renovating is like bigger than this whole building right now. They're going to have an own nursery area where you can walk in and new parents can feel safe. It's going to feel like you're walking into a pottery barn. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's all going to be locked up and secure. You'll go around a corner, like there's an entrance over here, and then the older kids go around a corner. They have a whole half of the building. And they got the, the, the older kids have their own auditorium. The, their auditorium's probably about this, uh, probably a little smaller than what this is. But about 150 kids will be able to be inside of there. They'll have four classrooms. I mean, it's going to be amazing for them. We'll be able to seat probably 750, uh, 750, 800. Just depends on how we squeeze and how, what, how much of the fire code we want to break. Um, but we'll be able to squeeze in a bunch of people here. Uh, we were going to do riser seating. That's what you saw at the Easter service until they told us it'd be like 300,000. And I was like, oh, good. We'll do that later. That's fine. Um, but this is the reality of what we're, we're looking at doing. So we're in the middle of, of rock and rolling. We're putting up walls right now or the beams are going in. We're building it out. We got um, different systems that are, we're, we're getting prices back on. But this is the future of where we're going. If you talked, uh, if you weren't here like uh, two weeks ago, 
I, I went into all the details on this, so go back and watch that message. I'm not going to go into them now. But pretty much today as we sit here, we're about uh, 550000 short. When we went into this process, we were thinking about a million-dollar renovation. We're at a $2 million renovation now. Apparently, the economy's not doing well. There's supply chain issues. And apparently, there was a pandemic, a global pandemic we haven't seen in 100 years, apparently. And it caused issues. So uh, one went from $1 million to $2 million. And uh, I, we were good on a million. We just ain't good on two. But the good thing is, it's not about what we are good on. It's what God is good on. If it's his vision, it's his provision. And God's in the mix, so we trust it. And so rather than getting worried about it, I was just like, cool, we're just going to tell the church and the church, we're going to work it out. Amen. So we're about 550,000 short without parking, paving. We have, we've already purchased the parking lot. So we'll be parking on dirt like we're doing right now, or we're about 780 short if we do the parking. So this is where the fearless fund comes in. Now, if you are new and visiting our church, don't listen to what I'm saying right now because the enemy's going to mix on what I'm saying right now just because he's going to be saying, it's a church is all about your money. And now you always knew it. You were always right. You ain't right. Church isn't about your dang money. Okay. God wants your heart and where your heart is there. Your treasure will also be you honor him with your stuff. So new people don't listen to me right now. Owners. What's up? What's up? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All the owners inside of the house. This is where we get to step in and be committed to what we're called to. If God has called us here, then we all have a part to play. And that, that means like if you got to give up a coffee a week, then you give up a coffee a week and you bless the church with $5 for the expansion of it. We're the church, right? But if God says, man, you need to give up a car payment, then you need to give $1,000 a month. Praise God. Whatever you need to do, okay? <laughs> now, we're not going to be that church that's like, hey, we're going to pass the plates around. You got any gold on you? Just go ahead and throw the gold into the tray. <laughs> we're not going to do that, okay? But here's the deal. Uh, we are owners inside of this house, and every owner has a part to play. If that's little, it's not a matter of a number. It's all about heart. So if God speaks, give. And so... Um, you can do that. We've had individuals in our church that have given literally 20 years over the past four years of raising. They give $20 every single week, and they've just given over the past four years, and that's what they do. Individuals have sold crypto. One guy sold crypto for 60 grand and gave six grand to the church. So here you go. I want to bless the church for the future. Other people have sold cars and blessed money with the pros. I mean, they've done all. I mean, there's been like, I could stand up here and tell story after story after story of individuals that have been crazy. I could tell you crazy numbers on people giving, and you'd be like, oh my God, that's crazy. People love the church and want to build the church, okay? When I took my hands off it in the middle of the summer, I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Two million dollars. We don't got it. God, did you pull us out in the desert to kill us? It feels a lot like that. Um, and as soon as I did that, person in our church called like a couple days later and said, hey, I uh, got a windfall of money. We're going to give X amount of dollars. I think it was, uh, I guess I can say. We're going to give $100,000 to the building, of the, the building campaign. I was like, praise God. A couple days after that, a guy from California called me and said, hey, pastor, um, God has put you on our heart, Pearl Street on our heart, me and my wife, and we're, gonna, we're giving some money away to nonprofit organizations. They got to offload millions, apparently. And he's like, God has put you on our hearts, and we really feel like we want to give X amount of dollars. I was like, oh, glory to God. <laughs> he called me a month later and said, I think we think God's doubled it for us. So it was already a big number. And then he told me another number, and I was like, oh, God. So here's the deal. He said, I'll donor match everything given. Everything your church gives, I'm going to don donor match dollar for dollar. So every dollar you give, somebody is going to give another dollar. So we're good. So I'll say this. What we're trying to do over the next seven months is $300,000. It's a big number maybe to us, but it's a small number to God. I believe God's got, already got it. So what we've been doing over the past two weeks is praying about our commitment. That's what I want everybody to do. I don't want you to be emotionally like, oh, I'm going to give a million dollars. I've already had six people do that, and not one of them have given a million, okay? <laughs> I want it to be a, a conversation with God to say, God, what's my part to play? And whatever that part is to play, you rock it, okay? You do you, I'll do me, and let's build the church and make sure that the future is amazing, right? The other thing I'll say with this is if you're not a, a tither, the first thing I would do before you can be a, a, a generous giver, you got to be a faithful tither. So if you're not tithing... Just go ahead and set up reoccurring giving today. Like, go online, set up reoccurring giving. You are forgetful. I'm forgetful, but our hearts are faithful. So if we're not reoccurring giving online and just making sure that we're being faithful with what God has placed in our hands, we will live a life of forgetfulness, and maybe God may be forgetting a blessing on our life. So not really. God's going to bless us, but we got to be faithful what he's placed in our hands. Cool? All right. So that's all the logistics. If I don't do this now, we ain't doing it ever, okay? We're never going to do it. I will not get to the end of service and be able to do that. So let me jump into what we're talking about here today. Cool? So we've been in this service, uh, or been in this conversation over the past couple of weeks upon this rock, and, and Jesus saying he's going to build his church. Today, I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's a part 
of this process of building his church. You can write that across the top of your paper. Power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever got to a place in your life where you realized you got some power? Anybody? Right? Maybe you're a weightlifter and you're like, dang, I got some power. You're throwing some weight around. You're like, ugh. Maybe you became really proficient at something and you realized that you had an ability that far exceeded other people's ability. And with that, you had some power to accomplish. Maybe it was a gift that God has given you in your life, which I pray that we are all like this, a gift God has given us. We can walk into our workplaces and operate at a level that supersedes those around us because we walk in with Jesus and God has blessed us with a gift and we got the power to make things happen and bless people and do the whole bit, right? You know, there, there's multiple times in life where we get this power and it's like, man, we, we are powerful. We have an ability. Remember the first time you started driving a car? You passed a test and then they gave you this like large object to go around place to place. Isn't this crazy? Right? You go like you could go anywhere. You could do all kinds of crazy stuff in this crazy car. You have power now. You can like go point A to point B. You know, you can run over stuff if you wanted it to, you know. You got power. You're you got you're you're wielding some power. I, I remember when I when I first started driving, I'm like, this is crazy. They're letting me drive this thing around. I just passed a test and here I am. I can go anywhere. This is awesome. The other side of that is Heather on her first day of driving, she got two tickets. Right? She, she, she jumped in her car. She got a ticket on the way to school. And, and then when she was coming home from school, she was coming down Rigsby. And she didn't realize, she didn't understand why everybody was driving so slow. So she was just, er, 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 just flying in and out, right? You know, fast and furious. She was rocking it. The cop pulled her over and was like, ma'am, did you not realize you were going through a school zone? She was like, ah. I think she was crying by this point. You know, there's power that we have in life that if we don't understand the power that we have, we may not uh, uh, use it or wield it properly. The same thing with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to do something specific that we would operate according to God's design, not according to the world's standards. That God would empower us with this strength to accomplish what he has set out for us to do. So number one, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, who is the Holy Spirit? Where did this come from? What is it? You know, we can get a little weird. It can get a little spooky when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there was a massive charismatic movement that happened like the, the early 1900s that the, this movement happened, this charismatic movement in our country that the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on his people. And there's an expression of that that, went, uh, that people started responding and acting and doing certain things. Entire movements and denominations have come out of it. And with that, there's maybe behaviors that have happened that now people are like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that Holy Spirit thing. That thing's a little weird. Because we see the expression of the Holy Spirit when it falls in people's lives, and then there's this excitement or this joy, or, or maybe they're so excited about it, they start running around, and we, we think about all the crazy stuff of the Holy Spirit, and we lose sight of who the Holy Spirit is. Let me tell you who the Holy Spirit is. This is God's revelation to humanity. God's revelation to humanity goes like this, okay? John 1 would talk about that in the beginning was the word. Let's read it. This is how God has revealed himself to humanity over time. Started off, created him, was in the garden with him, sin entered, there was separation. Then man sat in a place where what we had was his word. So in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now it's flipping over to Jesus, right? The light of the world, Jesus, um, and, and this darkness can't extinguish it, the light of Jesus Christ. So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply the witness to tell about the light, the coming of Jesus Christ, the one who is the true light, who gives the light to everyone uh, was coming into the world. He came into the world, very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from 
God. What is Jesus? The question of Nicodemus, how are we reborn? What does this mean? Can we, do we go back in the, the mother's womb? Jesus says, no, you're not going back in the mother's womb. That's weird. Why are you even saying that? It's a spiritual rebirth that we have. We're reborn spiritually. And so it's echoing that right here. So the word, verse number 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word existed before time. The Word, you know, what is the Word? The Word is truth. The Word is God's Word, the, 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 um, uh, God's Word of righteousness. It, it's, it's his Word, how he speaks, like his nature and character articulated, his Word. How did man receive that, though? Man received that. One, by going up on a mountain, Moses goes up on a mountain and God writes his word down on a tablet and says, this is my word, now go follow my word. Another way, God spoke through prophets and said, hey, here's my word, go tell my people. So a word, the word in the beginning was the word and the word existed uh, before the beginning of time, but then that word became flesh. So Old Testament, if you just look about it, all humanity had was the word. They had the word of God, the Ten Commandments, what was, what was right and wrong, the prophets spoken to his people. This is God's nature and character towards his people. This is who I am. And man had to say, okay, upon the prophets and their testimony, what they are speaking, we hear it, we understand who you are, we believe in your nature, we follow your commandments, we're living according to that. That's how we know God. Well, what happens? Man has a flesh, and we have some flesh on it. We're sinful people. So we can take God's word and then put it through man's filter and all of a sudden it gets corrupted. So, man, so God's like, okay, you guys jacked up the system, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send myself down there, known as my son Jesus. The word is going to become flesh and it dwelt among us. Now you get Jesus that's showing up in the flesh confronting the religious chaos, right? He walked into the church and said, this, you've made this into a den of thieves for your own profit. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, right? You've corrupted this thing. So the word was good. It's God. It was, it was spoken to man, but then it became flesh in the man of Jesus Christ that revealed the word. He taught and trained. He lived. He acted in accordance to the word. He corrected people that were living religious lives and not living according to the truth of God's word, the righteousness and the justice of God's word. So the, the flesh showed up in Jesus. God revealed himself to humanity. Then Jesus says, hey, don't leave this place until God is going to send the advocate, his presence to be with you. When, when that happens, then you're going to be able to experience God and he's always going to be with you. There's a difference between knowledge and experience. Let me tell you how, how it works. You have a knowledge of things, but once you experience them, you have a whole nother understanding, right? Anybody like Disney World? Any Disney World people inside of here? Disney World. Any Disney World folks? Okay. Disney World folks. You're 35 years old putting some Disney ears on. I'm personally going to think you a little weird, okay? That's a personal statement on my behalf, okay? You a grown adult acting like a kid, okay? Now, here's the deal. We all got our opinions, Amen. <laughs> Whenever I go golfing, you may think it's a little strange for me chasing a little white ball around a field, right? That's a little weird. Everybody's got their opinions, okay? So the reality is, I, I grew up never going to Disney World, but I had an understanding of what Disney, Disney World was based on what people said. People said, oh, Disney World, it's an amazing place. It's magical. It's incredible. You show up, you get the butterflies. It feels like you're in a whole different place. Now, we just went to Disney World this last year at Christmas, when you're a kid, you create images of what something is based on your imagination. That's the beauty of being a kid. You can create your own, fig like, own world. Our girls today, they live in their own world. They have their own conversations that are fake conversations with each other. They have their own little thing going on. Oh, my God, going out do this. And they're like in their own world. They're kids. They're dreaming. They're, they're imagining. There's studies that show that, that adults stop dreaming. Your mind stops expanding and, and thinking about the, the, I, the, the possibilities. You limit yourself to what you know, and that's a challenge of being an adult. But if you can always live in the world that anything is possible, you can accomplish more than you ever thought, or you, ever thought you could. But you limit, we limit ourselves by adulting. We, we set pathways of belief on what can and cannot happen. So I showed up to, to Disney World in an adult body 
with images of a kid like mine, like what I thought it was going to be. I'm just going to tell you right now, I was, I was not um, overwhelmed, okay? It was like, oh, this is cool, but not as I imagined it as a kid. I thought I was going to be like, whoa, this is crazy. I feel like I'm in a distant land. And I thought that was going to be the whole experience, right? You go to Epcot, you're like, man, this thing was built like 100 years ago. My God, right? Now, there's pieces of it, right? There's an area like in, in the animal kingdom. I remember walking into an area called Pandora, the Valley of Moar. I walked into that area. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, uh, I'm an avatar. I think I'm an avatar right now. This is awesome. You ever seen this place? Okay, I did a little research. I don't know much about Avatar, but I did a little research. This is the Valley of Moar in Pandora, right? whatever it is, right, in the Avatar movie. I, this place, when you show up, it is like amazing. You're looking at this thing like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Then they got a ride you get on. You're like, like it's five stories high. You're like riding on top of a, a thing, um, whatever those things are, dragon. I don't know what they are. But you're like riding on this thing. It's amazing. That was like overwhelming, like, whoa, this is incredible. There's a knowledge of what we can have about something, but there's a whole other understanding when we have experience with it. God is like, yeah, you can, you can know about me, but I want you to see me in form. I want, to see, you want you to see me in behavior. I want you to see how I would operate, how I would connect. You've distanced yourself from people, but my, I'm going to show up Jesus in human flesh, divine, and he's going to live according to my truth and my word. He's going to do it in accordance with who I am. And you're going to be able to see the word becoming flesh that may confront and convict and challenge you as a human, but he he is the light of the world. He is our savior and our redeemer. He is Lord in how we should live. And the experience of Jesus has put us in a position now where we have a different understanding of who God is and what he expects. But the beauty is he didn't stop there. You get the presence of himself now. The Holy Spirit, as we read last week, Acts 1.8, don't leave until you receive. Don't leave until you receive. What are you receiving the presence of God, the person of God that comes, lives, and dwells on the inside of you. So with that, as the Holy Spirit comes and empowers and strengthens us, we find ourselves in a place now where we have experience, not just a head knowledge, that has done something to transform us. So what does the Holy Spirit do? I'll jump into that second thing. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does a lot. You can look at John 14 and John chapter 16. Both of these are going to talk about the Holy Spirit and what they do. I'm going to hit four things in what the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Holy Spirit comforts. Right off the bat, the Holy Spirit comforts. The first thing, when you are full of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you, it's comforting. The best way I can articulate this is like a parent. The Holy Spirit is like a parent to spiritual children. You know, as parents inside of here, you want the best for your children. Every single person here that has a kid, if you don't want the best for your children, I question, you probably need to like pass that on to like let somebody else take care, okay? But like a parent, I want the best for my children. I want them to develop in all they're called to be, do all they're called to do. Like I want them to be the best individuals. I want them to be amazing, okay? That's me as a parent. Holy Spirit is a lot like a parent. Now, a few weeks ago, Ellis uh, at her school, she's got a, the Spanish immersion. Each year they do these, these, they take on a different culture, a different country uh, theme, Ecuador, Peru, whatever it is, and they dress up in the traditional outfits, and then they learn these little dances. They got these little dances out there, and they're doing these things, mi paru, mi paru, like they're doing all this awesome stuff, you know. It's amazing. You know, Ben and Jamie, their, their kids go there. Pastor Greg uh, and Laura, their kids go there. It's every year. It's amazing. Now, it just so happens a few weeks ago, Ellis is getting ready for her, her deal. And she's going out there. Now, we don't know if it was nerves or sickness, probably sickness. She had a little bug when all the bug was starting. Five minutes before at night, like 8.55, Heather calls me. He's like, hey, Ellis like threw up all over herself. And I'm like, what? So I'm like, flying to get there. Once I get there, Ellis is with our friends and Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg and a friend of ours. And they're just taking her. She's just like, eh, eh. when daddy shows up, though, immediately she feels comforted. She feels at ease. She goes from like, oh, like to now daddy's here. My parent is here. And what does daddy do? Daddy gets down into the mess at her level and begins to speak to her. How are you doing? Are you okay? And then what do I do as a father? 
I get into the mess and I start cleaning it up. She's got throw up all down her dress. She was just out in the middle of all her peers about to go in and she throws up all over herself. What is she? She could feel shame in the middle of that moment on what's wrong with me. She could feel all types of things, but a parent steps into the middle of the madness and says, you are broken right now. Something is wrong and I am here to comfort you. That is what the Holy Spirit right off the bat will do for us as, a human, like, uh, as humanity. He is here to comfort us in our needs and our challenges of life. As we are living in life, it's the person of God, like the Holy Spirit, the present here to say, man, you're in the middle of madness. You're in the middle of brokenness. I'm going to get into the mess. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. You are, you know, I want you to feel at peace. I want you to feel calm. You know when a parent walks in and you're a child, there's comfort that comes. You know your parent is there. They love you. They want the best for you. You can trust them. They'll help you out in whatever it is. The same thing with God. The Holy Spirit comforts us, comforts us. He is with us in our time of need. John, John 14, uh, starting in verse number 15, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or else, or else you can say helper, who will never leave you, never leave you. It's the Holy Spirit. He's here. He'll never leave us. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into what? All truth. Never leads us. He's our advocate. He's leading us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's our advocate. He is our champion. He is our, our, our comforter. He is our counselor. So the second thing I'd say is the Holy Spirit counsels us. What does he counsel us in? He counsels us in the truth. Counsels us in the truth. The Holy Spirit is to remind us of what the truth says. So God's word is already written. You want to hear from God? Go listen to his word. Go read his word. Go have it. In the, God will speak loud and clear through his word. It's already been spoken, you know, 66 books, 1,800 years. 40 different authors. He's already spoke through his word. If you want to hear from God, how do you hear from God? Go hear, listen to his word. Go read his word. Get into his word. You'll hear very clear. But in that process, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God comes along to lead us into all truth, to reveal truth to us. So the two things inside of here, the two and three is he counsels us and he corrects us both in and of the same. Both this process happens. As we step into a time where we are leading this life, where he's leading us into all truth, he's, he's accelerating us, he's developing us, he's empowering us, he's strengthening us as his children, he's going to have moments of confrontation. Correction comes with development. Not one of us are good. Not one of us. He is only good, as the word says. Not one of us are good. So the process of sanctification comes with counsel that leads towards correction. Right? Have you ever gone to like a counselor or a therapist or something like that and all you did is talk the whole time? And the counselor or the therapist was never able to talk? Right? It's a one-sided conversation. Now, let me just tell you on this side, as a counselor and a therapist, they're already saying, because you aren't talking, what are you doing? You're justifying your actions. And because you're unwilling to be humble to hear, more than likely, you'll never change. Until you're able to hear, you'll never have the correction the conviction of correction to change. So you're just justifying, right? It's like when you get into a conversation with God. If your whole conversation in prayer is talking to God, but not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak back, more than likely you're justifying all of your decisions and only want God to bless you without the Holy Spirit ever speaking back on leading you into a truth. The counselor says, hey, you're off here. You've been making the wrong decisions. Your language isn't representing your heart. Your behaviors aren't in alignment with your values. Your morals today are out of whack. That's the Holy Spirit saying you are living a life according to your flesh, not according to God's word. You are living in a selfish, sinful nature, not walking in the freedom of healing through Christ. That's the Holy Spirit coming in and say, conviction, correction, change. All of that comes together. It's in the counsel of the Holy Spirit that we find ourselves, God, what does your word say? Okay, we're going to correct. And the Holy Spirit begins to correct. This is what we need to change. This is what we need to do. This is how we need to develop. This is God. You've ever been in a place where nobody told you you had something wrong and you were walking around? You ever been there before? I, I just, this funny story, just literally, I was wearing a V-neck in last service. I walked into my office and Heather saw me. She didn't see me this morning. She watched me. She said, what are you wearing? 
take off that V-neck right now, right? She, she's correcting me on like, you look like a fool up there. I'm like, thank you very much. I look for a fool for one service, but I'm not going to look for like a fool for two. She corrected me and I listened, right? My, my mom one time, she walked into her office. Uh, this was probably 20 years ago. She walked into her office. And she's like, what is that smell? She walked around the office for an hour. What is that smell? She asked everybody, what is that smell? Nobody smells this? She walked into the bathroom, looked in the mirror. Lo and behold, a bird had pooped on her nose as she was walking into the office. Nobody told her. Nobody told her. Come on, we don't want to be people walking around saying we're following Jesus Christ, but we're living according to our sin nature. And nobody is saying, hey, we're not even allowing the correction to be like, hey, like, you got some poop on your face. Right? The Holy Spirit's like, you got a lot of poop on your face right now. You need to clean it up. You got to get it together. And you're like, nah, I'm good. I, I like it. You know, I like the poop on my face, you know, kind of brings out my complexion. You know, it's like good. You know, just wipe it and, you know, hydrate your skin. You're like, no, it, it, it's stanky. It looks funky. Get it off your face. That's the Holy Spirit in your lives. It's comforting to get in the madness with us to help us and make us feel like, man, we are loved and taken care of. But at the same time, it's, it's helping us grow inside of our faith. And if we're never stepping back to say, God, what are you speaking? And where am I off? And how, how do I need to grow? What we will do is we will walk around with bird poop on our face, or we would just walk around in sin, wondering why nothing is changing inside of our lives. The Holy Spirit is here. Comfort, yes. But the counsel, this is what truth is, to correct, convict, and correct. This is how it needs to be. The last thing I'll say, months, he does a lot. Time willing today, the last thing I say he does is he gives us courage. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. When we have that courage, I'll just tell you like anybody else, if he's our advocate, he is our champion, he's the one there like, you can do it, you're amazing, you got this, step out on a limb, hey, you may fall, but I'm here to pick you back up. Like he gives us the courage to live this thing out. He's our champion. Anybody got a champion in your life? Somebody's like, you got this. You're amazing. You're incredible. Like, come on. You got it together. Anybody got a, you know, the champion? That's the Holy Spirit. Like, you're champion. But what is he championing? He's championing the life in Christ, following Jesus, living righteously. He's championing how to live right. If you are living La Vida Loca today, and you got champions on that side, I'm like, girl, do your thing. Rock your world. Yay. You know, that's the wrong champions, Okay. That's the champions in your life that are the voice of the enemy that's leading you down to chaos. But the Holy Spirit is like, get away from that La Vida Loca life. Get into the direction God is destined for you. He is championing us on the road of righteousness. He is our advocate. Man, come on, let's go. He wants us to succeed on what God has called us to do. So Jesus would say this, Acts 1.8, I read this last week, but the main thing he says on the front of here is, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, what power, you know, you're going to receive this power, but what's the power going to do? And you will what? Be my witnesses, tell them to be people about me everywhere. The first part of what this power is, it gives us the courage to now be witnesses. First part of it. If we had a country today where Christians stood up and said, we're not going to compromise our morals and our values in this country as followers of Jesus Christ, no matter what chaotic ideology is out there, we would live in a completely different country today. But what is what we live in here today? We live in a country of compromise. A whole bunch of people have lived by compromise of what God's truth is because a little bit of sin has felt good for a long time. And we find ourselves in a place where our behaviors don't line up with our beliefs and we're living in chaos today. But he said, you receive power, now you're gonna have the boldness and the courage and the strength to go be my witnesses. You're gonna be able to witness for me. You're gonna be able to tell people about who I am. Well, back to what he said. Man, this revelation has been hit your heart. I am from God, and guess what? I'm the Messiah, cool. Now you got boldness to go witness, go tell people about that. But what? for some reason as Christians, we live in a world of fear. That if we share this, we may lose something. If we share this, we may be looked at a certain way. I'm just going to tell you today, when the Holy Spirit fell on the Acts 2 church, they didn't care what they lost. They didn't care how people looked at them. All they cared about is what I'm feeling and what I've experienced, I got to share this with somebody. I got to go tell somebody about this. I got to let somebody know about this goodness. I got to go you know, sh witness about Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, it says 365 times, one for every single day, do not be afraid. 
365 times in the Bible. Do not be afraid. So the enemy is all, I mean, the whole point of what the enemy is trying to do is get us into a compromised state where we live in fear of our faith and it just becomes a private thing. Never. Faith has never been to be private. And the church has not grown off of private faith. The church has always grown off of people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit that said, people got to know what I know, and people got to feel what I felt, and people got to find the freedom like I found the freedom. It's faith-filled, Bible-believing, empowered people of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm moving from an experience with the Holy Spirit where he's living in me to a passion where everybody's going to know about him. I'm stepping out to do something. So the last thing I'll say in here today, number three, the Holy Spirit puts the courage in our going. It puts the courage inside of our going. Two types of going we have in our life, going to witness, going to live righteously. Two different things, but both are there. Hebrews 4, or Ephesians 4 would say it this way. Verse number 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of uh, evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What is he saying in here? The first part of it is, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Taking it back to the parent mentality. The first part of here, speaking to the church in Ephesus, is, hey, if you go back to the parent analogy, if you raise your kids right, they have the right morals, the right standard, the right character, they're going to go live something amongst people when they're out of your house. And what is it going to do? They're not going to bring sorrow to you. They're going to bring joy to you. You're going to have a sense of pride in you. Why? Because your kids are living righteous. Your kids are living according to God-given destiny. And when people speak of them, they say, man, your kids are amazing. They're incredible. And you sit back like, I know. I raised them right. You ought to, you ought to look at these knees. They're real scattered in the old callus right now. <laughs> Prayed a lot for these suckers, you know. But what are, your kids aren't bringing sorrow to you. They're bringing joy and glory and happiness to you. It's the same thing he's saying here. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Deal with your mess, is what he's saying. Deal with your mess. You're, you, you live in sin. You, you got your own issues. You're walking in pain. Deal with your pain. Deal with your struggle. Deal with your, your rage and your anger and deal with your unforgiveness. What does the Bible say? Lest you forgive, you yourself will not be forgiven. He's saying, do the righteous life. Live righteously. Deal with your issues. Why? So that you don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. This is how you should live. How should you live? You should live by uh, uh, being kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as through Christ, Christ has forgiven us. That's how we should act amongst each other. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, peace, patience, kindness, joy, faithfulness, self-control, all of that. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if we're dealing with our mess, then we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit that now we can operate in healing to the world. So the Holy Spirit, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have a passion to make Jesus known. And as I said, it's to witness and to live righteous, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Witness and to live righteous, two things. You had people when the Holy Spirit fell, there was missionaries that went out. You had, you had individuals that stayed back. Stephen inside of the church, full of the Holy Spirit, stood up in front of the council, and he gave a full testimony of who God was and his plan and, and, and the work of Jesus Christ. And he became the first martyr. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit, and his passion led him to a point on, I don't care what it's going to cost me. I'm going to share the truth about who Jesus is. Yeah, he died. Yes, he was the first martyr. But a man that saw that was a man named Paul. Paul was that witness the, the stoning of Stephen. He was witnessing the church growing, but what happens to Paul? Paul has this transformation on the road to Damascus and changes his life and changes the trajectory of Christianity because he took the message not just from Jerusalem, he took it out. What does Jesus say? Greater you will do than I did whenever I was here. Why? Because we have the presence of God that never leaves us. He was one man, one place at one moment in time. Don't get me wrong, theologically on here, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man, okay? I'm not just, he's man, one place, one time. But he said, don't leave until you get the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is gonna be in you and greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. The same spirit that is in you raised Christ from the dead. So go. 
We don't get to we don't get to Pearl Street Church if we have a whole lot of individuals that are quiet about their faith. You don't get here. You don't get to Pearl Street Church 2,000 years later without people being passionate, full of the Holy Spirit, not afraid, but stepping up to say, I'm going to witness in my world and in my community and my, my influence, and I'm going to be an individual that lives righteous. We don't want to be the Christians that are sitting here like, well, uh, I'm not going to do bad things because I don't want the consequences. We're not going to be the Christians that are like, well, I'm going to do good things because I want the rewards. Living as a Christian full of the Holy Spirit is a life of surrender. I want to live righteous so that uh, I honor God with my life. I understand in a broken world, when I, when I fall short, I'm going to have consequences for that. And I realize in a broken, in, in a world that we live in, that as I operated according to the gift of God in my life and operating to the truth of his word, that people and things are, I'm going to be blessed. I realize that. But I'm not doing, what I do today is not to not have pain or to get gifts. What I do today and surrender to the Holy Spirit is that I honor God with my life. That's what I do. That's where we want to be as Christians. We don't want to be naive Christians. Well, I don't do bad things because I don't want, I don't want to, bad things to happen to me. Well, I do good things because I want a woman blessing back. No, no, no. It's a life of surrender. And when we live a life of surrender, man, the, Jesus would say, humans, human fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give a good, good gifts? How much more on the back end of there? How much more does he want to give the Holy Spirit to us? The Holy, God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. He wants a submitted life that he's like, you get me completely. I heard a pastor say the other day, the Holy Spirit is in you for you, on you for others. It sounds really good that way. But the Holy Spirit is in you for you, and he is in you for others, both and. He is in you for you, the development of your life. Comfort, counsel, correct, give you courage. That courage, when it's in you, should lead out for others. That's what it should be about. That's what it would be about. It's for others. Are you passionate today about sharing your faith? Are you passionate today about growing in your faith. Those are two, two demarcations that the Holy Spirit is in you. If not, you're in re religious activity. You're showing up to know more, but you don't want the experience. This whole process of the Holy Spirit is God bringing us close to him. Old Testament, he stood behind a veil. We couldn't enter in, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are made right that we can come boldly into the throne room before our God. He's drawn, us, he's drawn us close to him today. What I say is this, if you're in a place where you're like, man, I, I just don't know the voice of God, what does it sound like? I was talking to two Muslims that came to our church two weeks ago. They said, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of God? They're asking me, how do you, how do you hear the voice? Like, what does it sound like? Is it your voice? Or the voice of God is the voice of God. That's the only way I could put it. If I said today, do you know it could... Do you understand the voice of, if your mom called you right now, what does what your, your mom's voice sound like? Does everybody know what their mom's voice sound like? You, everybody hears it right now. Johnny. Teeny. You know whatever it is. Everybody hears it, right? You hear that voice. Why? Because there's a familiarity with it. Anybody you are familiar with and they call you know their voice. Right? Jesus says, if you... If you're my follower, you're going to know my voice. The sheep know my voice. You will know the voice of the Holy Spirit the more familiar you get with listening. The more familiar you get with listening, the better you'll be able to hear it. So today, what is God speaking to you? What is God speaking to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Let me say it that way. Right? Sometimes in church we'll use universal terms, but it, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? It's not the voice of your mom. It's not the voice of your dad. It's the voice of God. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe for some of you guys, it's, hey, you're doing better than you think you are. Come on, stop, stop fighting yourself. You're doing better than you think you are. Pick yourself up and let's go. 
Holy Spirit's saying, come on, get up and let's go. Others, it's like, man, you've been living in brokenness. Here's the deal. It's nobody else's fault but yours. Okay. Respond to that. Say, yes, God. Okay. It's my fault. What do I need to do differently? Not to speak. What is the Holy Spirit speaking? Here's the deal. Respond to the best of your ability. Get in his word. Know his word. He's going to speak through his word. But be present that you can hear his voice. Because whatever he is speaking... Man, it's, it's directly divine for your, your step today, where you're at, for your comfort, man, for your counsel, for your correction, and man, to give you some courage. He is. Holy Spirit wants to be here that you are, you're not alone. You've never been alone. You never will be alone. If you allow him to come in, he will always be with you. So what is he speaking? Every life, when you look in the Acts, Acts church, full of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost happens, they went out shared their faith. The church is built on people that are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come in, live a surrendered life, walk in righteousness, and make sure that nobody's left behind. Right? What is the last part of what Jesus said? Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As I said week number one, when people, believers, are full of the Holy Spirit, the gates of hell, the revelation of Christ, will not prevail. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet real quick. And what I want to do as a church, I want us to, to sing this out together. It's brick by brick, day by day, that the church is being built. It's person by person, life by life. But it's not by by individuals that are quiet. It's by individuals that are passionate. Passion, man, when the Holy Spirit, man, you want everybody to experience it. When you find the freedom, you want everybody to experience it. It's us inside of this place. If we want Pearl Street to build, it's gotta be us being courageous. If you want uh, the, the, the church to make a difference in our city, it's by us being full of the Holy Spirit. It's not by somebody else doing it or another church doing it. It's by us being active and alive inside of our face saying, Holy Spirit, fill me up that I might go and be a testament to your goodness and your grace. I had the courage. I don't care what I lose. You can hurt my body. You can take whatever you want to take. But I'm going to be an individual that lives it and I witness about it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing it together as a church. something to accomplish. God's got work to do inside of us. Amen. 
Man, we got something to do inside of our city. Our, our city doesn't know Jesus. But I pray, man, if we continue to elevate Jesus and lift him high amongst men, he's going to draw them in into himself. Jesus is the light of the world, and we'll lift him up that we are the light inside of San Antonio in Jesus. It meant many churches. Don't get me wrong. We're not the only one. But it's us active and alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here today, and I just want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're saying, man, Pastor, I, I've been disconnected from God for a long time. Maybe you're like the individual that walked through these doors. It's been 22 years. Maybe for you it's been 12 months. Maybe it's been 12 years. Maybe you're in this place right now, and you're, man, it's been a while. But something that's been going on right now in this place, at this moment in time, you just feel God is speaking to you, to your heart and your life. I agree with that. God wants to meet you right where you're at in your journey, wherever you're at, all the problems, all the pain, all the struggle, all the strife. He wants to meet you right here in the middle of this, right? Comfort. You may be in it. So I pray over you today that this may be the start of a journey for you, that your life is completely transformed. All that you ever dreamed about is right here in front of you can be a reality. You don't have to live alone anymore. You don't have to live broken. You don't have to live in pain anymore. This could be the moment right here where things change. It's by meeting God. How do we meet him? Through his son, Jesus Christ. That is our pathway, right? So let's come to a place that this is you. I just want to say a general prayer. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but just a general prayer that Jesus would meet us in this place. If this is you, you can make a personal prayer. Two years ago, God, I'm broken. I desperately need you to save me. Forgive me of my wrong decisions, things that I'm off in and make me new today. And then just commit. We'll all just commit together. We're going to follow you, Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish your, your purposes here on this earth, okay? Let's do it all together. Say, Jesus, we thank you for your life that was lived perfectly. That was a great illustration for us on God's love. We accept that we've failed. We've fallen short. We admit that we missed the mark. To say, forgive us of our sin, our choices that didn't line up with your righteousness. Come into our hearts today. Change our lives. Make us new today. We commit our lives to you from this day forward. All that we do, to the best of our ability, will honor you. We want you to be a proud father today because of our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Come on. There. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. There, take us away. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for that message one more time here today on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, hey, if today's message and service impacted you and you call yourself an owner in the house, we have a couple ways that you can give here today with what God's put, put in your hands. The first way is we have online at prostreet.church. You can also download our Pro Street app available on Android and iOS. And then uh, lastly, you can text Pro Street to 94000. And those are just a few ways that you can give to the house here today. Now, a couple announcements before you leave. First, we have an opportunity for you to serve this Saturday at Bags of Blessing. Bags of Blessing is a day where we go out to our transient population and we put together bags of essential items that they would need on their journey and we're able to give those out and also build relationships with them. So if you want to go ahead and be a part of that, we have that available to you. Check out our website and you can register for that. And then last but not least, next Sunday you want to invite a friend, a family member. We have a new series starting called The Blessed Life. All about what that means and how to live it. So invite your friends next Sunday, three service times. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you guys next Sunday.